Will you not settle some things before God today? Will you allow this hour to pass without sealing your eternal destiny? What will it profit us if we spend days and months and years celebrating one theme after another when our hearts are citadels of iniquity? The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, The foundation of God stands sure. The Lord knows them that are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Help us, O Lord, who are beneficiaries of your sacrifice to so live that it will be evident that that sacrifice is not in vain. May the work of Calvary not pass us by. May we renew our confidence in your ability to save. Save us this day. Restore us to yourself. And help us to live every moment by every word of God. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. A lot of people say, God can do anything, anytime, anywhere. God can do anything. He is God. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere. God can do anything. He is God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere. God can do anything. He is God. My prayer is that we open up to God. To do what he wants to do in our lives in the name of Jesus. You know, I've been so excited being here these past few days. Reminding me again of our days on campus. When we took a decision to serve God with all our lives. I still remember one day. I talk about it a lot. In the Christian Union, we had a visiting preacher. He finished preaching and gave a call. For those who wanted to dedicate their lives to the service of God. I felt impelled in my heart. I stood up. By the time he finished the prayer and I opened my eyes, I saw that I was the only person standing up. I felt embarrassed that I was the only person who stood up. But you know, many years after, God reminded me. I said, that day you stood out all alone. And I made a deposit in your life. God is looking for men who will have the courage to stand up for God. You don't know where God will take you to. He may take you to the nations. He may take you through the professions. He may take you through families and, and states in this country. But everywhere there will be the imprint of God upon your life. And you will be God's man for every situation. May God help us in Jesus' name. I promise that this morning we will round off this 
at this outreach with what I titled The Tale of Two Souls. And I want us to turn first to First Samuel, where we'll see the first soul. First Samuel chapter 15. Verses 22 and 23. We are talking about the first Samuel. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of God, of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Because you rejected the word, spoken in season, spoken with a mission, And God said, every word that comes forth out of my mouth can never return void until it has accomplished that for which it has been sent. Because you rejected that word, behold, your life career has been altered dramatically in a way that it cannot be redeemed. Hello. Let's look at the second Saul, the man who became Paul. And I'm going to read, pick out from all the scriptures we could read, I'm picking out Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Second Timothy 4, 7 and 8. That's the second Saul who became Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not to me only but also to all who loved his appearing. I want to thank God that these three days we have meditated on the theme living by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. We have even attempted to define what we mean by living by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. We have tried to show that Jesus is the Word made flesh. And He came and dwelt among us. The Bible said His people did not receive Him. Even up till today, they are still expecting the Messiah. All they have as their gospel is the Torah. The first five books of the Bible. And then the prophets and the law. But he said, to as many as received Jesus, to those people he gave the power to become the sons of God. And we say that living by every word of God begins with the word that was made flesh. Indwelling us. It continues as we daily drink from the fountain of that word. Every day refreshing our souls. And then we say we go on 
to allow our thoughts, our words, our actions to be delineated and defined by the word of God. And not only that, he said, the word indwells us in a manner that makes us ourselves living words of God, epistles to a dying world. And then we reach the peak when we begin to multiply and bring forth fruits. Others are catching the fire. One of our brothers at uh, Okadiosis, who is our advisor, a retired venerable, venerable Ezigwe, is our, uh, his advisor on uh, evangelism and missions. And he said, somebody said, why is, why is the church so dull and uh, abroad so empty? He said, the reason is that the church is not on fire. Then somebody asked, have you ever seen where there is a fire and people are not running to it? Anytime there is fire, people run to it to put out the fire. When the church is on fire, people will run and run in. They will come, they will catch the fire. We read in our first passage about a man that God gave so much to. Saul, the son of Kish. Here was a man who started on a high plane. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 9, you will see how God spoke to Samuel about Saul. God told Samuel, if you read 1 Samuel 9, verse 15 to 17, verses 15 to 17, you will see what God said to Samuel about Saul. He said, by this time tomorrow I am sending you a man. A man you will anoint and you will be commander over my people. They asked for a king. I am going to give them a special one. The day he was chosen as king, he stood up head and shoulders above every other person. Is the kind I call a man's man. Every inch a pride of manhood. Looking so majestic. Looking every inch a king. Nobody began to look, come even near to him. And this towering giant was a very humble man. The day that they wanted to crown him king, he ran and hid. As a more of all people. It took God who said, go behind those baggage. That's where he's hiding. And they fished him out. And then he came out and they made him king. He was such a wonderful choice. Everybody announced, very well chosen God. A few years into the kingship. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 11. God said, I regret that I made Saul king. May God not regret that he has bestowed blessings upon your life in the name of Jesus. May your life not be a regret to God. May it rather be a source of rejoicing. God said about Job, have you seen my servant Job? Not like him. Blameless, upright, fearing God. But God looked at Saul and said, I regret that I have made him king. What was the problem? The Bible said that Saul grew, came to a point that he was so confident that he chose and picked what to obey in the word of God. God said, go, wipe out the Amalekites. 
have heard some people ask some questions. Why should God ask them to wipe out the Amalekites? The old, the young, the women, the men, the animals, wipe out everything. Why? Perhaps you are already treading the path that Saul was treading. Saul said, why? Read through the story of the Old Testament. Amalek was a consistent problem to the Israelites. When they were coming from the land of Egypt back to Canaan, they stood on the way, trying to frustrate the grace of God in the lives of God's people. Even after they had come to the land of promise, go and check out the last battle David fought before he became king was against the Amalekites. They came to Ziklag and bought the place and carried away his family and the people of God. They remained the thorns and thistles and the briars on the sides of God's people. And God in his wisdom said to Saul, wipe them out. There are things God says you must wipe out. He said, put off. Cast them away. They are not part of the they are not part of the inheritance we are taking to heaven. Our pride, our jealousy, our self-sufficiency, our pretense, our facade of holiness when we are living right in the depths and throes of sin. There are things to wipe out. There are things we cannot spare. Yesterday when we were having the leadership program, somebody asked, are there no go areas for leaders? There are no go areas for Christians. The Bible says, there are things that should not even be mentioned among you as the people of God. These days, the thing, I'm, I'm hardly ever surprised these days. When I was much younger, there were things I thought were impossible. I thought it was impossible for Christians to divorce. I thought it was impossible for Christians to indulge in extramarital affairs. I thought it was so many things in my naivety. I so believed the Bible that I said, look, our generation of believers will not go this path. And God said to Saul, stamp out all these things. Remove them. Saul went, removed the ones he wanted to remove, and came back with the balance. And when God talked, he said, I spared the best to offer as a sacrifice unto God. I want you to note a few things about the life of Saul. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, look at verse 12. Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel. And indeed, he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Saul was already celebrating his success. He was already setting up monuments unto himself. He was already announcing himself as a star. I was talking yesterday, I think it was yesterday or Friday, I can't remember. The people who are in a hurry to declare themselves successes. The battle is not yet over. Here was Saul, Saul setting up a monument to himself. May God deliver us in the name of Jesus. And when Samuel confronted him, he said, I have obeyed God. He said, you disobeyed. He said, no, I didn't disobey. I obeyed. Look at what Samuel told him. 
He said, verse 14, Samuel said, What then is the bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? When we pretend that all is well, there is a bleating of the sheep and the lowing of oxen that betrays what we really are. I may pretend. I may say it's all well. I may may deceive everybody around. But there is a telltale sign that tells heaven that all is not well with me. And when Samuel confronted him with this, what did Saul do? He insisted that he had done what God sent him to do. Samuel now said, look at verse 17. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? I want to take us back to when we had nothing, to when we were nobodies, to when we were just like footnotes on the pages of history. God in his mercy set his hand upon us and decided to promote us. I used to tell people when we repented many years ago it was revolutionary in my family. Family is very religious. Concentrated Anglicans. My dad was convinced that Anglican from beginning to the end. And so when we suddenly came up and started talking about you need to be born again. People said, what are they up to? In fact, at some point they said, they will go and build a house for us. We are like outcasts. So that we will go out and not be part of anybody. Somebody, I keep saying it, a lady went to my elder brother who trained me. And started pitching him. So all your labors are lost. Your brothers decided to go the way of scripture union. Oh! Sorry now. Thank God that today they are no longer saying sorry. We who we are considered nobody. God in his mercy has counted us as some people. I used to say, I used The sentence of death was upon us. God reversed it and made us people who are very much alive. And we seem to forget where God picked us up from. I was telling somebody, I said, by the mercy of God, in my profession, nobody can talk about my profession and name five people in this country and omit my name. But I know where I started from. I know how I agonized asking God for mercy. Asking God for open doors. Asking God for ideas. How many seminar papers? How many conference papers have I knelt down and said, God, give me a breakthrough? When I finished delivering one seminar paper, a sister rushed up to me and said, Brother, I didn't anointing in a seminar paper. God has brought us this far. It is God. And God told Samuel, when you were small, when you were little, when you knew you were, you knew you were inconsequential, did I not make you a king? What's your own? That was when God delivered the message. He said, because of what you have done, the oil has moved on from your courtyard to the courtyard of your neighbor. The vial of oil has moved on. You know the thing about God? When he 
picks you out, there is a loud celebration. When he leaves, it is very quiet. You may not even know it. Hello? Somewhere, uh, Samson had a visitation. Great man of God. Anytime he rose up, Philistines trembled. Israel trembled. Everybody knew. But the day the Holy Spirit left him, the Bible said he did not know. He got up to go as usual and he did not know that he has gone. I have a, this thing they used to, I don't know whether you have, you see it, it's all over the place now. You fix it to your electricity um, meter. If Nepa comes, it will blow. And everybody will know. When the light goes, it doesn't tell you. It is just that's what is happening spiritually. When a man, when there is a visitation from God, it's loud, it's visible. Everybody knows that he is. But when it departs, people will still be bowing to the king. Long live the king. They did not know that the file of Saul had been closed in heaven. May your file not be closed in the name of Jesus. For when a man's file is closed, all the efforts he makes will come to naught. And God spoke to Saul. Don't you know, God regards obedience to his word more than any other thing. Psalm 138 verse 2 says, He has lifted his word above all his names. I said, I want you to offer sacrifice. He said, to obey is better than sacrifice. To hearken and follow. That's what God expects of you. Rebellion is like witchcraft. Disobedience is like witchcraft. I never thought of that. And a stubbornness is like idolatry. He said, well, I don't, I don't worship idols. No, 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 no. I don't worship those things. So long as you disobey God's word, you're walking in the path of idolatry. That's how Saul lost a kingdom, lost a dynasty, lost a throne, and lost a calling. May that not be your portion in the name of Jesus. The attitude, the basic problem with Saul was his attitude to the word of God. And I ask the question again. How could a man start so well and end so tragically? God is no respecter of persons. As I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but read about Moses. Also the same thing. Moses was a man greatly loved of God. A man who was on first name terms with God. He called God by his first name. God said, of all the prophets, Moses is the only person I speak to, face to face. He beholds the similitude of God. Moses was the man who said to God, I want to see who you, what you are like. Show me your face. Show me your face. So that when I'm talking, I'll talk. I'll tell you that. Show me so that I will know what to say. God said, look Moses, you cannot see my face and leave. He said, but show me the way you can show me. God said, okay, I will put you in the cleft of a rock and cover you with my hand. I will pass by 
I remove my hand so that you will see my rear. You have not seen the face of God, though no man has seen, but Moses saw the rear. And this was the man who would dwell on the mountain forty days with God, beholding the glory of God. Yet a day came. God told Moses, Go to the rock. Take your rod as you go. But the first time I asked you to strike the rock, this time just speak to the rock. If you ask me, I would say it's a little matter of details. A little detail. Don't speak, not strike. The Bible said, Moses went and called them together, himself and Aaron. I pitied Aaron because Aaron didn't say anything, but he, he was the first person to be punished. He said, must we bring you water from this rock? You rebels. Nobody today you begin to disturb us. And when he finished scolding, then the Bible said, he raised his hand. It was a deliberate action. And struck the rock. The water came out. There are many men of God who are commanding water out of rock. And water is coming out. But judgment is waiting for them. There are many men who are using God's anointing for the wrong purposes. You will see results. But they will answer a question one day. When everything had finished, and the people had finished celebrating the drink, God turned to Moses. You did not believe me to hallow me before Israel. You will see that land, but you will not enter. Let me show you how Moses described it. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Moses had occasion to talk about that incident. Deuteronomy chapter 3. From verse 23 to 27. He said. Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time. Saying. Oh Lord God. You have begun to show your servant your greatness. And your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth. Who can do anything. Like your works and your mighty deeds. I pray. Let me cross over. And see the good land beyond the Jordan. Those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. Verse 26. But the Lord was angry with me on your account. And would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah. And lift your eyes towards the west, the north, the south and the east. Behold it with your eyes. For you shall not cross over this Jordan. The case is closed. Why? God said a man did not believe me to honor me. I spoke a word. He went contrary to it. Here was a man who was that close to God. And you think you are not presumptuous to live the way you like. And think it will be alright. I believe that God is calling us, challenging us to again look again at what God is saying. To bow at the, at the throne of mercy and receive grace to live for God in these times. Whether it was the old Saul or whatever, God left one lesson. His word was not to be trifled with. Yesterday I mentioned a few other cases. Zechariah a priest 
of the order of Abijah, a man who was known for faithful priesthood all over the years, praying God for a child. And then one day he was writing to the inner inner place. I guess it was a, a, a Yom Kippur day, day of atonement. He was there offering sacrifice in the inner room. And suddenly a glow appeared. And it was Angel Gabriel. And he said, Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. Your wife will bear a son. And the man said, how can, how can it be? What did the angel say? He said, because you have doubted my word, and I am Gabriel, I stand before the Lord. You will not speak again until this word comes to pass. God does not joke with his word. God does not play games with his words. He says the things he means, and he means the things he says. Oh, shall I talk about the king's aid? I talked again about it yesterday. There was famine in the land, and people were eating their children. People were selling cow dung for food. Everything was at had a straight to breaking point. And the man of God, Elisha, opened his mouth and spoke. Declared an oracle. By this time tomorrow, permit me to use Nigerian language. By this time tomorrow, a bag of rice will go for five naira. <laughs> Somebody laughed. They said, I've been in this town old and long enough to know that what you're telling cannot happen. I remember when a, a brother, who is he's dead now, Apostle Numbera, when he was wedding, Elton gave a prophecy. I said, in the lifetime of the children that will be born to this couple, bread will go for ten naira, ten, will go for up to ten naira. That time, ten naira sounded like fifty thousand naira. We said, ah, can it happen? How much do they sell bread now? But that day, God uttered a word. By this time tomorrow, I don't know the, the, the mechanics. I don't know the oppression. I don't know how God causes his word to come to pass. But he says, I watch over my word to perform it. I hasten it. I bring it to pass. He makes sure that every word he speaks will come to pass. So when the man said, it cannot be. How can you sell a bag of rice five naira? How can you sell a loaf of bread one kubo? It's not possible. He said, you will see it, but you will not partake of it. Did it happen? God is serious about his word. But then that takes us to the other soul. A man who was halted on his way to Damascus. Saul of Tarsus. The first time we met Saul was in Acts chapter 7. At the end of Acts 7 verse 58. When they were killing Stephen. There was something about Saul of Tarsus. That made me feel that Saul was decisive in the killing of Stephen. Chapter 8 said Saul consented to the death of Stephen. He was just one man. In the whole uh, Sanhedrin. But he was a man who could not be ignored. If he said something, he stood by it. 
Go through the story of Saul and who became Paul. Nothing about him was commonplace. He never did anything by half measures. When he studied Judaism, he studied it to the end. He said, I advanced beyond all the Jews of my own age. He said, I was exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. He said, with respect to the law, I was blameless. Everything he did, he did it to the end. Superlative. Without looking back. And so he presided over the death of Stephen. And when he finished, he said, I will not stop until I destroy the church. When he was a persecutor, he persecuted the church to destruction. When he became a believer, he said he was ready to die for Jesus Christ. No half measures. On his way to Damascus, he had an encounter. It was an encounter that transformed him. The Bible said he met Jesus face to face. My friend, who was he meet Jesus? A man like Jesus He packs a punch. He met Saul, who was Paul. Saul beat the dust at his feet. One blow, seven apples. Jesus, Jesus had that. Once he decides to deal with you, no, he just showed his face and Saul beat the dust, fell down to the ground. It was from the ground he looked up and said, Who are you, Lord? He knew immediately that this man is Lord. When men are saying, <laughs> I was telling them in my, in my church some years ago, I watched and noticed that the men will bring their, children, their wives and children to church, drop them and go back. About the time they will dismiss, they will come back. If the church has not dismissed, they will be reading newspaper in the car. I told them, I said, The day the trump of God will sound, you will become women. And the women will become men that day. The worship of God is not for women. It's for everybody. Men and women. God wants us to show that he is sufficient for every challenge of our lives. When Jesus came face to face with him, Saul said, what will you have me to do? I am ready to do it. And God began to speak to him. Jesus said, get up, enter the land. You will be told what you will do. Many years later he said, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. I followed it. And followed it so steadfastly. That at the end. He could say about his life. That he had fought a good fight. He had finished the race. He had kept the faith. Look through the story of uh, Paul. When he was about to be baptized. His name Saul. Meant the one we are looking for. The one we are seeking for. The one we are asking for. The, the one in hot de- demand. That's what Saul connoted. And they, they asked him, what name do you want at baptism? He said, call me Paul. It means little, small, insignificant. I have seen the Lord of Lords. I have seen the one who alone is God. I realize how small and insignificant I am. The man with fine and unequaled intellect. One of the best legal minds of his age. 
he bowed to Jesus. A man with great religious favor, a Pharisee to the core, a keeper of the law, who said he was blameless with respect to the law, he bowed to the Lord Jesus. This man of magnetic personality, full of charisma, eloquent, unyielding, he bowed to the Lord Jesus Christ. This man of impressive pedigree, from no mean city, a Roman citizen by birth, a man who ought to ride the waves, he gave his life in the service of God. You, what do you have? It was Paul who said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16 he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, even unto everyone that believes, whether it's Jew or Gentile. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 17, he said, Let no man trouble me. I bear in my body the marks that testify that I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 to 14, he said, One thing I do, forgetting the things that lie behind, I press on to take hold of that for which God took hold of me. There is a heavenly prize I am moving on to. In Romans 8, 37-39, he said, We are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. I am persuaded that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Not trials, not difficulties, not angels, not demons, not life, not death, not promotion, not demotion. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That was the testimony of the Apostle Paul. And so when we look at this entire thing we are talking about, do we see the path that we must follow? Will you want to follow the path of Saul, the son of Kish? Or would you want to follow the path of Saul, who became Paul? Through that man, Paul, God began to enlarge Christianity for us. He taught us the way of victorious Christian living. He taught us about the, the essence of the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ used him to expound the riches of the kingdom to this generation and subsequent generations. The Apostle Paul became God's gift to mankind in every age and generation. When men live by every word of God, even in death, they still speak. Hello! When men live by every word of God, even in death, they still speak. So we are concluding three days of outreach. Where do you stand with God? I just want to say a word to the young people. There is a spirit that is contending for the lives of our young people. I call it the Gehazi spirit. You know, you remember the two servants, Gehazi and Elisha. Elisha was the servant of Elijah. And he was faithful. He followed his master. He was attentive. He was obedient. He gave his ears to the instructions that he was given. He did not depart from it. And when his 
master was living, he gave him what? Double portion of the blessed anointing that was upon his life. Elisha said, well, my master gave me double portion. Let me find somebody I will give maybe quadruple portion. And he started looking for a man. He found Gehazi. As he was pursuing Gehazi, Gehazi was pursuing other things. He was pursuing prosperity. He was pursuing common sense. He was pursuing power and influence. When Elisha called him and said, somebody needs to be attended to, take my staff and go. He went there and came back and said, oh, this is not a walk. I placed the staff, nothing happened. We did not hear that he persevered. That he said, God answer me. God, why did it not work with me? He just came back and surrendered the staff. I said, okay, take your staff. He didn't know the work. Elisha tried everything to change Gehazi. Gehazi would not. There is a spirit at work in some of our youth today that is the Gehazi spirit. They are after profit. They don't want to be diligent. They, they want the best without any labor. They are, they will, when they come to Christianity, all they want is me and nobody suffer. I said it that thank God that it was not this generation that translated the Bible. Because if it had been this generation, we would have removed everywhere suffering appeared in the Bible. But it was a past generation that did not mind about suffering. So this generation wants something for nothing. They want love without responsibility. It's a Gehazi spirit. As Elisha was busy wanting blessings for Gehazi, Gehazi was eyeing the things Naaman brought. He saw the cupion. He saw the Hollandis. He saw the gold. He saw the silver. When Elisha said, I will not take any of these, Gehazi said, Kai, my ogre likes poverty. And the Bible said, Naaman went away in a chariot. Gehazi outran him and caught up with him. As a greedy man can run with unusual strength. He ran and caught up with a man who was in a chariot. When Naaman told and saw him approaching, he came down. He collected everything and hid. What he did not know was that he was collecting also the leprosy of Naaman. Children, learn. Learn. Joseph had a dream. The dream tarried at 17. He told it and people were angry. But the dream tarried. The young man kept believing God. 22 years it took for the dream to materialize. Go and check your Bible well. It was 39 years when that dream came to pass. And the day it came to pass, it was dramatic. He was walking around the courts of Pharaoh as the prime minister. Dressed like an Egyptian prince. He caught his, in his with the color of eye. Ah, ah, a person looks like Reuben. Ah, the other one looks like my brother Simeon. Ah, even Judah. Then he pretended he didn't know them. He frowned. Call those men. Immediately they came. They bowed. Oh, God, sorry, sir. Immediately they bowed. He remembered the dream 22 years ago. I don't know how long your dream has lasted. But it will come to pass. Just hold on to the Lord. Live by every word of God. That dream will come to pass. If Joseph had agreed to sleep 
with the wife of Potiphar. It would have been bye bye to his dream. There are men in politics. God planned that they will rule this country. But he gave them local government first. When they got there, they were grabbing with both hands. Grabbing and putting in their pocket and in the inner pocket and in the back pocket. And God said, this man cannot be trusted. He ended his political career there. There are some businessmen there at Obete. Uh, but God had in mind that there will be international businessmen importing and exporting and building factories. He saw their greed. Anytime there is gum in the market, they will change their price. Some will come into the filling station. He will put all kinds of uh, speakers. Who do you, what do you have by Jesus? Repent. Yet he's busy altering the, the gauge and selling half liter to us for, for one liter. And God said, this man cannot be trusted. When we walk by the word of God, the blessing may be delayed, but it will come. Trust to the Lord. Hold on to the Lord. Don't be carried away by the Esau syndrome. Trading away a lifetime blessing because of a short term issue. God is calling all of us for young, for old, for aged, for matured, for advanced, for the toddler. Walk, live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. The Lord has set his face upon his church. God wants to lift us up. Did I not tell us on Friday? There is a place God wants us to go. A city that is built, but not by us. Houses that have been set up. He will do it. Wells that have been dug. Vineyards and olive trees that have been planted. That's where he, we are heading. But in the meantime, there may be hunger. In the meantime, there may be deprivation, thirst. What is he doing? He said, I am testing you to know what is in your heart. To know whether you will trust me. So that you will know that every man will live, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. This morning, will you settle some things with God? Will you tell God, I am willing. I am ready. I am prepared. I will walk with you every step of the way. I don't care how many years of your life you have wasted. You can begin from today. God with God, it can never be late. He will redeem. He will restore. He will refresh. He will renew. He will lift you to higher heights. I think it was yesterday again we shared those, or Friday. God formed man. Sin deformed man. Education informs man. Religion attempts to reform man. But only Jesus Christ will transform. And he's prepared to touch us and change us for good. May we just bow our heads to pray. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. Why? 
want him to pass you by. Why, you, why don't you make a decision this morning for him? Ask God to restore you. I want you to take a very, very firm decision. Just stand up on your feet. I will pray for you. There are things God wants to do in your life. There are situations He wants to bring you to. There are treasures He wants to open up to you. But you must stand with God. If you will just stand where you are, we will pray together. And God will begin to restore to you all the years that the locust has eaten. All the years that the canker worm has eaten. All the years that the palmer worm has eaten. Take a bold stand. When we stand for God, He stands for us. When we honor Him, He honors us. God wants to reach you this morning and leave a deposit in your life. Have we not heard enough? Have we not been challenged enough? God is being restrained by our lack of decisiveness. If you want Him to visit you this morning in a very special way, you would be collecting the final portion of this weekend's outreach. When you honor God, God will honor you. It's not man, it's God. Nothing about him was done in secret. He hung between heaven and earth. Just so you will have life. Just so you will have victory. He wants this seed to bring forth fruit in your life. He's waiting. One more call. He's waiting. And we will pray. God is waiting. We will pray. Those of you who are standing, just place your right hand upon your chest. I will lead you in a personal prayer of commitment. Lay your right hand upon your chest and we'll pray together. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you for your word, which I have heard this morning. Thank you, Father, that I have resolved to walk with you, to live by every word of God. I ask for forgiveness for every way I have lived to please myself. Father, make me an instrument for your own goodness. Fill me with your spirit. Cleanse me of all iniquity. And make me an instrument of your righteousness. Thank you, dear Lord. You know every need of my heart. Meet me at my point of need. Promote me. Restore me. Renew me. Refresh me. Make me a blessing to my family. Make me a blessing to my nation. Make me a blessing to my society. Thank you, dear Lord. You're able to do more than I can ever ask. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll pray for you. Eternal Father, I thank you for these ones. You said that those who honor you, you will honor. And Lord, they have honored you this morning. Inviting you to reign in their lives. Father, we pray, let them not be counted among the lost. Let them not be counted among the outcasts. Let them not be counted among those who have missed the way. Father, visit them with your grace and your goodness today. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray for their families. We pray for their jobs. We pray for whatever occupation they they have applied themselves to. Lord, enlarge their coasts. From today, let them see a definite proof 
that you honor those who honor you. That in blessing you will bless them. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, we are going to pray one more prayer. As we have committed ourselves to these three days of outreach and revival, God will should do something special in our lives. So if you feel like it, just stand and we will pray together. I don't want, look, God did not plan that you will spend your time, your effort, your money, your resources, and at the end it will just be like that. No, there will be something. There will be a definite proof that God has been with us this weekend. There is nothing the Lord cannot do. There is nothing the Lord cannot do. There is nothing the Spirit of God cannot do. There is nothing the Lord cannot do, cannot do. There is nothing the Lord cannot do. There is nothing the Lord cannot do. There is nothing the Spirit of God cannot do. There is nothing the Lord cannot do. One more time. There is nothing the Lord cannot do. I want you to take a little time and tell God what you desire, the burden of your heart. As you came for this program, this was one thing that was at the back of your mind. Once I had a program like this and I had finished preaching and I was about to pray and go and God said you have not finished. Give me an opportunity to meet my people at their point of need. Tell them I want to answer their prayers. And then he asked me questions. He said, no man, is there any man who ever serves in an army at his own expense? He said, Worm of Judah, did I ask you to serve me without any reward? God has not called you to serve without reward. He has not called you to serve in his army at your own expense. He says, I will bless my people. Present your request before him. It will be a memorable thing that when we had our first revival for the year, God visited us. That answer came. That breakthrough came. That restoration came. God honors people who honor Him. And so, Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for all who have made diverse sacrifices to make this weekend possible. Some have given up their substance. Some have given up their money. For some, today is the only day they could come for this revival. Lord, we say all shall share alike. As you bless the former, so you will bless the later. There shall be an overflowing blessing. 
And every grass in the field shall be watered. In the name of Jesus. Every burden in the hearts of your people. As many as need the balm of Gilead. Let it suffice at this hour. Let there be healing for the wounds of our people. In the name of Jesus. Let there be preservation. Let there be protection. Let there be prospering. Let there be favor upon your church and upon your people. In the name of Jesus. As your people resolve to live by every word of God this year. Lord, may there not be any blessing of the covenant lacking in their lives. This is our prayer. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Let the people say. Let the people say. And amen.